Miracles. Today we're going to talk about the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed. Having 12 close friends in his 30s. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> Miracles. <laughs> Actually, as we've been talking about the series, we've talked about healing the sick and why does God heal some but not all. And Pastor Amritha talked about demonic deliverance and safety from dark forces. Powerful message. And we're going to talk about the greatest miracle that the Bible says, that Jesus says we should rejoice in. And we've been rejoicing in, you know, supernatural healings and all these great acts of power. But Jesus actually warns us against celebrating and rejoicing in the wrong things. Let's read about it in Luke 10. The 70 returned with joy. So this is after Jesus had sent 70 out to preach the kingdom of God is here, cast out demons, heal the sick. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word, and I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So Jesus sends out the disciples. They're praying for the sick. They're seeing all these acts of power, and then they come back. Jesus, even the demons submit to us. These prayers work. The authority you've given us, it's working. And Jesus is like, hold on. Don't you dare celebrate about that. Do not rejoice. What we need to focus on is we need to rejoice that your names, that our names are written in heaven. And today with this message, I feel like sometimes when we get caught in celebrating the miraculous, we forget about our mission. That we are called to help people get their names written in heaven. That we are called to help the lost get found. Help the blind to see. Help those who are broken find wholeness again. Amen. And so we rejoice that our names are written in heaven. You know, I, I remember when I was first moving to Colorado Springs and I met my wife there, Pastor Amritha. We were serving at a church and this church loved the supernatural, loved really sitting in the presence of God. We would worship for hours and hours. We would get up at 6 a.m. and pray for hours and hours. We'd pray for the sick and people would get healed. We'd be prophesying over one another, predicting the future. We'd get specific words that we had not, you know, shared about to anybody. And then someone would tell us, hey, I know what you've been doing, or I just want to encourage you with this thing. It was amazing. God was moving in these miraculous, supernatural ways. And during this time, there was a conference, and the presence of God was so thick and so tangible that we ended up keeping a prayer meeting for 90 days. We canceled all of our services. We canceled all of our leadership meetings. And for 90 days, 24 hours a day, we prayed, we sat in the presence of God, and we saw these miracles, we saw more prophetic moves, we saw more healings. It was a wild time to be in the church. And uh, where are all my prophetic people at? You're like, that sounds amazing, count me in. I mean, and during this time, people are like, all right, get me a, an instrument made out of a ram's horn, 
because I'm about to make some noise, a shofar, you know what I'm talking about? People would be sitting in the presence of the Lord, 3 a.m., and people are like, all right, I feel the anointing right now. You feel that? That's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I mean, people would be getting these flags and dancing, and they're like, the Lord is my banner. I'm going to hide under the shadow of his wings. I mean, it got real flowing in the Holy Ghost. It it was amazing. But during this time of prophetic moves, healing, words of knowledge, a lot of dancing, uh, I was in charge of the night watch, so I did a lot of sleeping in the presence of God. (laughs) And uh, it was during this time, though, nobody was getting saved. And as this church got deeper and deeper into the prophetic and in the supernatural, we realized that we were deep in the miraculous but kind of had forsaken our mission of making known the beauty of Jesus to those who are far from God, the Great Commission, preaching the gospel, helping people to rejoice that their names are written in heaven. And even as we're in this series, I want to acknowledge tensions we face as a church because We can fall into two different camps where we either want to spend time with the Lord. I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I wish that Kalos Church was going deeper in their sermons, deeper in the worship. I know that the last three weeks we've been talking about demonic deliverance. And we've been talking about, you know, consummation without fulfillment. And we've been talking about why does God heal some but not all. But I just want to go deeper. I'm like, how many poorly pronounced Greek words do you want? We are not a seminary. We are a church. We are on mission. We're not just trying to entertain each other with education. We're trying to make known the beauty of Jesus. Amen. Like, it's like, but we just want to go deeper. We just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I just, I need my shofar. I need the anointing oil. Lord. And then there's some of us on this side of the camp where like, you know what? The church has been inside too long. The church should not be confined to these walls. We need to cancel services. We just need to sit among the poor. Every day needs to be a missions trip. We need to just go amongst the homeless. This is all we should focus on. We, should, we shouldn't have those four lights in the back. We should sell those for $30 and go bless some people. Like, we need to go. We need to be on mission. We cannot be confined. The church wasn't just meant to entertain Christians. We need to go, go, go. The world is broken and we are called to heal it. And there's this tension. Have you ever noticed that tension in church? The tension between discipleship, learning how to abide and grow and abound in the Lord. Discipleship, we need to take care of the ones we have instead of just being so focused on reaching the lost. What about the people are here? Who's nurturing them? Who's pastoring them? Who's caring for them? There's that tension between discipleship and outreach. No, the church is on mission. We, you know, the church doesn't exist for us Christians. The church exists for the world. We are supposed to tear down the gates of hell, advance the kingdom of God, pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth as is in heaven and we enforce that will and there's this tension but today I want to talk about a tool that helps us not maybe find out the perfect solution for this tension but like a a walker on a tightrope we don't find the perfect balance and just lock it in we're constantly adjusting we're managing the tension instead of solving it and so I want to talk about a tool that kind of manages this tension of flowing in the presence of God but also going to be the presence of God to a lost and broken world. And I want to talk about something called prophetic evangelism. Say it again. Prophetic evangelism. 
And who has heard of this term, prophetic evangelism? All right, who hasn't? Be honest. That's why I'm teaching. I hope you haven't. All right, and so prophetic evangelism, I want to give you a simple definition, is this. Prophetic evangelism is leading people to Jesus while being led by Jesus. And so we want to preach the gospel, but we also need the Lord to help us and equip us to say the right words, to be in the right place at the right time. So instead of saying, you need Jesus, and just saying that on our own, we acknowledge that we need Jesus to help people know that they need Jesus. Amen. And so we are walking in what's called the Great Commission. And before I break down some of the practicals and the essence of prophetic evangelism, I want to give you a practical example. A while ago, when I was in college, I was taking a road trip from Oklahoma to Mardi Gras. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I was on a trip to do prophetic evangelism. <laughs> Not just partying like Carlin. I was actually going there to do some <laughs> ministry, okay? <laughs> and so, so we're on this road trip, driving through the night. I, I'm sleeping because I'm going to do the night's the night shift, and uh, as we're filling up the gas at a gas station, I, I'm like, all right, I'm about to drive through the night. I'm so tired. I need to wake up. So I start jogging around the car in my PJs. And my friend Jacob, he is filling up the gas. He sees someone. He feels like the Lord says, hey, preach the gospel to this person. It's their time to know me. So he's like, okay. So he starts sharing the gospel, starts sharing about Jesus, witnessing and uh, this person really is resistant, doesn't want to hear this message. It's like, look, it's late at night. I'm just trying to fill up my car. There's a weird brown man jogging around in PJs. Like, <laughs> let me just do what I need to do and then get out of here. So I'm just jogging, and he's not making any progress. I'm jogging around the car, and I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to me a specific word about this lady I've never met. So I'm jogging. I jog right over there. I go, hey, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me something about you so that you will know that he's watching you, loves you, and has an amazing plan for you. And so did you have this conversation with your mom this week where you said this, she said this, and this is kind of the situation. I just want to let you know the Lord's going to handle it. He's going to reconcile it because he has a plan for your whole family. He loves you, and you should surrender. And actually, I didn't, this is all I said. And then I just started running away. I just started jogging. I didn't even preach the gospel. I just shared that word. She's like, uh. And so I never followed up with her because that's all I felt like I was supposed to say. I get back in the car, and I go, Jacob, hey, what, what happened with that lady? And, and he said, after you spoke that word, she said, that's exactly what happened. That is what my mom and I have been going through. And she broke down, started crying, and he said, I was able to lead her in a prayer of salvation where she surrendered her heart to Jesus, and her name is written in heaven. Can we give Jesus some praise? Yes. Thank you, Lord, for jogging. No, for our names being written in heaven. And uh, I just think this is such a great example because there, I didn't know this lady. I'd never met her. I didn't know these things about her, but I believe that it's not impossible for God to speak to us. I don't think it's impossible. I think Jesus is probably a better speaker than I am. And if I can speak to you, surely God can speak to you. Amen? And so this wasn't just for entertainment, though. Like, ooh, I know what you were. Like, <laughs> it's not just for entertainment. It was to help her have an encounter with Jesus where God could communicate his love for a person. 
And I just think that's so beautiful. And so let's break down what prophetic evangelism means. And these words are kind of intimidating. And so let's, let's go through them one at a time. Let's talk about the word evangelism. Here's the definition I want to use. Evangelism is leading people to Jesus. And, and Jesus gives this commission to all the disciples, all who will ever believe in the message, a commission, an assignment that we've all received as believers in Jesus. In Mark 16, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Hey, if you want to get baptized, we'd love to baptize you in like two to three weeks. Join us for team night. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. And I, I love that, that whole idea where he sends them to preach the gospel, proclamation, but he doesn't bring confirmation until people preach. And many of us, I don't think we have seen the miraculous because we're not preaching Jesus. Jesus will confirm what we preach. When we preach Jesus as Savior, he saves. Amen. When we preach Jesus as healer, he heals. Jesus very oftentimes confirms the words we share. And these signs will follow those who believe. So we're not chasing miracles. Miracles are chasing us as we step out in evangelism. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, so the Lord spoke to them. He activated them to preach the gospel. Then he was received up to, into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So after this activation, they went out and preached proclamation everywhere. The Lord working with them, the great commission, not the mono mission. We're not alone. We partner with God. We partner with the Holy Spirit. And then we see confirmation. Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And so we see activation, right? Proclamation and confirmation. And I just think this is so amazing. And this whole idea of leading people to Christ evangelism is really, really, really important. You know, we didn't start Kalos Church to entertain Christians. We didn't start Kalos Church where we could just gather Christians in the same place and have a holy huddle. We were called to make a difference to those who do not know the beauty of Jesus. You know, I don't really want to be that famous amongst Christians. We want Kalos to be a place where... We are friends with sinners. We are friends with the jacked up, the messed up, the broken, and they find that church is the safest place for them because they can experience life and healing and have their names written in heaven. Amen. You know, the scriptures are very clear, and the scriptures never say that the lost are commanded to go to church, but it does say the church are commanded to go to the lost. And this is the commission that we've received as Christian. This is part of our responsibility. This is our inheritance. This is who we are called to be. When I first became Christian, I was in high school, and I was, I was kind of a wild child, and I was just Christian enough to be dangerous to both kingdoms, right? <laughs> kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And I remember I went to my high school, and I gathered all the Christians because I didn't know there were Christians. I didn't know the gospel. And I had been suicidal and depressed. I was looking for hope and I was looking for purpose. Finally, someone invited me to a church. The first time I was invited, I gave my life to the Lord. All it took was one invitation for my whole life to completely change. I go to church. 
Then I go to my school and I realize, oh my goodness, there are tons of Christians in my school. I gather them up. I said, hey, I've given my life to Jesus and I'm not, I'm not recommending you do, do this, but I gather them up and I started cussing them out one by one in the name of the Lord Jesus. I said, you knew the gospel and while I was suicidal and depressed, you never shared it with me? You knew about Jesus and the church? You knew how to find hope and purpose and you didn't share it with me because you were afraid you might offend me? Or because you didn't know the right words to say or the right timing or if you, you didn't know what I believed and if you would hurt me or if I would consider you annoying? That was the reason you knew the gospel the whole time when I so desperately need it? I'm so thankful there are Christians who aren't like you guys because someone actually took the time to love me. And I just think the heart of evangelism is the heart of Jesus. The cross, what was it for? For our names to be written in heaven. All of this ministry, the great commission that Jesus assigns the disciples, what is it for? Because, yes, miracles are important, but love is greater than miracles. Love will always be greater than miracles. If we perform miracles and we don't have love for the lost, we're just a clanging symbol. It doesn't really matter. And so we have to have the heart of Jesus. This is Jesus, what are you thinking about? What are you wanting to accomplish? And he says, hey, I want, I want to leave the 99 to go after the one. He says, I, I care about my sons and my daughters, and I don't want death to win in their life. And he says, you know what? The church is my plan A, and I don't have a plan B. Will you share the gospel with your friends, your family, your coworkers? Because the, the lost aren't commanded to go to church, but the church are commanded to go to the lost. Amen? And so, so it's so important that we have the heart of evangelism, but also I don't want to seem like I'm judging you or being too harsh because I know how intimidating it is to not feel like you have the right timing or know the right words. So what do we do in those moments when we're like, I honestly don't know what to say. I don't feel so confident in my ability to share the gospel. Well, that's where the prophetic is really, really useful. And my definition of prophetic is this, a message of encouragement from God delivered through a human. We can all deliver a message as we hear it from God. And there are people in the Bible who also didn't feel like they had the right words or had the right words to say. But Jesus says this in Matthew 10. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses, people who share what they've experienced. And that's what we're all called to do, be witnesses of the gospel. Notice, you're not called to be the judge. You don't have to judge people. Not a call to be the prosecutor. You don't have to accuse people. You just simply share what you've experienced. That's what witnessing is all about. And so you're going to be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And so this is the prophetic piece. All right, we're called to reach the lost. I don't know the best way to do it, so I need Jesus to help me tell people that they need Jesus. And so this is where prophetic evangelism is. We are leading people to Jesus as we are led by Jesus. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Would you help me in this commission reach people? Sometimes we have this idea of the prophetic being kind of like mystical and ooh. I, I think some of us think we need to... Operate in the prophetic in a way that kind of looks like this video. 
All right, Adam, you just keep concentrating on that animal. I'm gonna pick up on your vibrations. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show the audience. Good vibrations. Good vibrations. <laughs> yeah. Gonna show the audience the animal first so they know that I'm committed. I can't change my mind. This is the animal I was receiving. Please. Please, it was done in haste. The animal I was receiving. So, Julia, if you could. Uh... And what's the animal? A camel. A camel? A camel. That really is remarkable because you know what? I actually got a camel. Oh, Look at that. Yeah. I'm just gonna pinch myself. No, that, that is really happening. Oh, but it could just be beginner's luck, Hannah. Yeah. So uh, dip, dip in there. Okay, Select another uh, animal. Okay, Hannah, concentrate, concentrate. Pluck away. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Okay. You've got another animal. I'm gonna draw a completely different drawing. So just concentrate on the animal, Hannah. Go into a trance! A deep, deep, further and further this time! Deeper, a thousand fathoms! I'm all the way at the bottom. I'm there. In a trance now. In a trance, gonna draw the animal on the pad. So here we go. Just like this. Keep concentrating, Hannah. Same deal. I'm going to show the audience before I show you. Okay. So uh, don't give anything away. All right. Uh, this is the animal that I was. Please. Please, is the animal that I was receiving. Well, let's get confirmation, Julia. Hannah, the animal, please. A uh, rhino. A rhino. Really? That, I mean, that, a rat. Was that? That's, it's a rhino. Uh, we'll do it. All right, Hannah, you just keep concentrating on that. Amen, animal. amen. <laughs> Can we give it up for the prophetic? <laughs> Hesitant. Do you know how prophetic I had to be to find that video? <laughs> I went to the depths of England. <laughs> well, this idea of the prophetic can be kind of like mystical, and I just want to demystify it and scripturally make sure we're tackling this on a solid foundation. Another way of understanding the prophetic to simplify it even more is just being spirit-led. Lord, would you lead me? I don't want to be on my own. And we see that with the disciples in the early church. People didn't just preach the gospel to everyone and everywhere. They didn't have a shotgun approach to the preaching the gospel. They followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you a passage of scripture where the Holy Spirit literally forbid them from preaching the gospel to certain regions. In Acts 16, now when they had gone through, I didn't really pronounce, practice these online. Now when they had gone to Phrygia, in the region of Galatia, they are forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. <laughs> After they come to Mesia, they try to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mesia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluded that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that wild? He's going to do something good, preach the gospel to Asians. Any Asians in the house? I know I am. South Asian. Some of you judge me. You're not Asian. Your skin is brown. I'm Asian. What continent do you think India and Sri Lanka is in? It's not Europe. Get off me. Get off me. Get off me. I'm Asian. Right? So they didn't preach the gospel in Asia because the Holy Spirit <laughs> was forbidding them from doing so. I think this is amazing. Another example of flowing in the prophetic directly to impact unbelievers, 1 Corinthians 14. 
But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I just think this is amazing. As we all listen to the Spirit of God, we are all participating in the ministry. Guess what? I'm not the only minister at Kalos Church. Pastor Amritha is not the only minister at Kalos Church. We're all ministers here at Kalos Church as we operate. And what do you want to see, Lord? As we say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Instead of asking you to bless what we're doing, how can we do what you're already blessing? That is prophetic evangelism. You know, in, uh, in, what is it? in 1979, there is an Islamic revolution in Iran. And the, the Khomeini Ayatollah, he basically took over, kicked out the Shah of Iran, and, and made it illegal for Christians to practice their religion. In fact, there have been missionaries there over 150 years. All the missionaries were kicked out of Iran. And uh, uh, people say that there are only about 350 Christians in the whole nation. Well, in the last 40 years since that happened, and in one of the only, like, theocratic Islamic nations in the world, in the last 40 years, they say that number has grown from 350 people to 1 to 3 million followers of Jesus in a nation where it's illegal. What is happening here? And as people have gone in there, they've said, we came to Jesus for basically one or two reasons. One, we experienced a supernatural healing directly or in our families. And Iran, that's the fastest place Christianity is growing right now, which is wild. It's a place where they don't have any money as a church. They don't have any nonprofit status. They don't have any buildings. And it's primary, primarily led by women, which is just so amazing. And the church is just thriving. So they say through healings, we're coming to know Jesus, and people are hearing and seeing Jesus in their dreams. A man in white, as they commonly say, are, is, is appearing in a dream, saying, hey, go to a church or find a Christian to share with you the fullness of the gospel and how to have your name written in heaven, how to experience life and life abundantly. From 350 to 3 million, 40 years in this great commission. Can we give Jesus a round of applause that he's moving all over the world? We serve a global God. But I love this whole idea of it's not just us, it's not just God, it's a partnership, it's a commission. Another way I see prophetic evangelism is simply continuing the conversation that the Holy Spirit is already having with people. You know, God is already speaking to people in your family. God is already speaking to people in your work. They may not realize it, but it is the nature of God to speak. He spoke in the past, he's speaking now. He'll speak in the future. And if we can tap into how God is already speaking to the people who need to hear about life and hope in Jesus, oh my goodness, it is a powerful partnership. Amen? It is so powerful. So we need to continue the conversation. God is already happening. And so for those of us who feel the pressure of preaching the gospel and don't have wise and persuasive words, the pressure is not on you. Jesus will build his church, and Jesus does the heavy lifting as we partner with him. First Corinthians says it like this. I came, and, 
I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not in wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so we don't argue people into the kingdom of God. We just introduce them to Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so I want to share some practical things that you can walk in in directions. Because my hope is that Kalos Church would be a prophetic church where we would hear from God and deliver a message on behalf of God. That God wouldn't just speak to you but through you for a world that needs hope for the future and healing from the past. Amen. And so... I want to talk about three things. This is not an exhaustive list, but my prayer is that you would start to operate in words of knowledge. What are words of knowledge? That is knowing something outside of natural means. That's what I experienced when I, I ran around the car and I said, this happened between you and your mom. I didn't know that in my own intellect. I didn't experience it, but the Holy Spirit shared it with me. Jesus did this all the time in John 4, 39. The scriptures say about Jesus' ministry. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What was that testimony? He told me all that I ever did. That was a word of knowledge. Another thing I'm praying that you would operate in, and one of my goals with this message is just to expose you to one of the most powerful tools of evangelism that we have in the miraculous is I hope that you tap into the power of dreams and preaching the gospel like they are in the Middle East. What are dreams? A series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. Just by a raise of hands, how many of you guys feel like God speaks to you in dreams? I mean, it's amazing. And sometimes we don't know exactly what's happening. I mean, this week I had a dream. I went to Derek's house and uh, he gave me toilet paper to use that was only made out of possums because he wanted to be eco-friendly. He's like, I got all this possum skin. I'm not going to let it go to waste. I don't know what that dream means, but I know his heart to save the planet. <laughs> so just say la on that, Derek. But dreams, Job 33 says this. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people and they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears, use the possum paper, and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from wrong, doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. I love that, dreams. God is speaking to us through dreams. And God is speaking to people who don't even know the gospel in their dreams. And then we can tap into that and preach the gospel. Another one, visions. Visions, I define that as to see with the mind, where you have this picture or you see something. Jesus said all the time, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And so we can get pictures where we see the Father doing something. Oh, I feel like God is ministering to that person. I'm going to go pray for them. Or he's speaking to this person. I'm going to enter into what God is already doing. In Acts 9, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. 
And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And so these, see this great commission, see this partnership? There's a vision for this man named Saul. There's a vision for the Christian named Ananias. And he puts them together to talk about following Jesus. And I believe that you will get pictures. And my prayer is that that would be unlocked in you today. And we're going to pray that we could receive an activation in our proclamation. We would see confirmation. And we're going to pray before we get out of here today. But this is the mission. Making known the beauty of Jesus, the call for personal evangelism, isn't something that we can just simply delegate away. It is something we are all called to do. And just full disclosure, right now, the number one reason Kalos Church is growing, and we're growing, our regular Sundays are bigger than they've ever been, but the number one reason we're growing is because of Facebook ads. When we have people in our crash course and we say, hey, how'd you hear about Kalos? Usually it's Facebook ads. It's signs that they saw or it's mailers. And my prayer is that the number one reason people come to Kalos or find the Lord wouldn't be because of a random Facebook ad, but it would be because the church has been equipped to say, Lord, who are you calling me to talk to? Lord, who are you blessing? Who do I need to pray over? Who do I need to heal in the name of Jesus? Who do I need to invite into a church setting? Who do I need to invite into my home? Who do I need to have a conversation with? Who do I need to go bless and reach and invest in? Who do I need to be your hands and feet to? My prayer is that Facebook wouldn't partner with God for the gospel alone, but we would be partners with God in the greatest commission ever given. Amen. Because the lost are not commanded to go to church. But the church, yes, we are commanded to go to the lost. And I know this message can be a little intimidating. But what I want to call you to do is just try to ask God to speak to you. Even right now, Lord, who are you wanting me to speak to? Lord, what names are you giving me? Lord, who am I called to pray over? Lord, am I even partnering with you in the Great Commission? Or am I just doing it on my own? Lord, can we hold hands and do this together? Lord, I need you to help me communicate that others need you. You know what, Kalos? I believe that we're just getting started in reaching people with the gospel. I believe God is blessing us because this is the greatest message we could ever proclaim. There's a whole world that needs hope and healing, and we are the ones to do it. And for those of us who feel like this message is a little out there, it's a little weird, I want to let you know that we are all sitting in an atmosphere that was created because of prophetic evangelism. While I was living in Michigan, I had a dream, part of it in French, I don't speak French, to start a church in a place called Bellevue. Had never heard of Bellevue. My wife Google mapped it. She said, we're moving to Bellevue. It's in the Seattle area. Let's pack up the 11-month-old and let's go. So we move here. We don't know where to meet. We don't know anybody. Our first meeting was three people, had no connections. Andrew Jennings and I are walking around the mall. Feel like the Holy Spirit says, go knock on the door of a comedy club at 9 in the morning. It's not open. Someone opens the door. Why are you here? It's early. Holy Spirit brought us here to make known the beauty of Jesus. She's like, seems legit. <laughs> Let's do it. So we start a church in a comedy club. No joke. Then we lose that venue. They go out of business. We don't know where to go. Carlin Gersenberger, the Mardi Gras guy. His dad 
<laughs> he's not, I don't know if he's a Mardi Gras guy. But his, his dad comes over to us when we lose a venue and he says, hey, I feel like God has a venue for you. You need to follow the cloud. I think your venue is going to have a cloud. Well, as we work out parking for the Hilton Garden Inn, we see that the Salesforce parking building has the logo of a cloud on it. And we find our new venue. It's just crazy how this moment is all of us gathering because of prophetic evangelism. And so God, come on, let's give God some praise. You can clap for that. Woo. And so I'm just saying, God's not done speaking to us. And prophetic evangelism is us leading people to Jesus while being led by Jesus. And so if you want to receive an activation to be the greatest evangelist, to, to share the gospel, to help people who need love, if you want activation to hear the voice of the Lord and you want to, you want to see this partnership so that we can reach people with love, why don't you stand up to your feet right now and I just want to pray for you because I believe that we need to just pray and be activated. This activation will produce a proclamation where we will share the good news of Jesus. And as we proclaim Jesus as Savior and Healer, He will bring confirmation of healing, salvation. And Facebook wouldn't be the greatest evangelist this world has ever seen. But we would, amen. So why don't you, if you want to be activated, why don't you lift up your hands right now? And I'm just going to pray for you. Dear Father, I thank you for all the people here who are saying, Lord, use me. I want to reach the less. Use me. I want to bring purpose to those who feel like they don't have it. Use me to bring blessing to the depressed, those who feel like they don't have a community, those who feel like they're all alone in this world, those who don't know how to get, they're going to get through another uh, setback, another round of pain, another round of just, just bitterness, and they're like, ah, death seems to be winning. Lord, I pray that you would use us to bring life to those who feel like they're dying. And so with our, our hands lifted up, we just say, Lord, we surrender and we want what you want. Lord, speak to us and speak through us. Lord, let your will be done. Lord, we want to do what you're doing. We want to say what you're saying. We don't want you to just bless what we're doing, but we want to do what you are blessing, Lord. And so we just receive everything you have for us. Lord, help us to walk out as prophetic evangelists, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause?